Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. Welcome to episode 41 of the Kaiju Cast. This is the first episode for September 2011. We have a lot to cover tonight. Uh, basically, there's some comic news and some local events, of course. And uh, we've even got a brand new contest to announce. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And uh, we have a special guest in the studio tonight. Adam from The Monster Project is here. Say hi, man. Hi, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime, of course. And uh, we're going to definitely talk about his album and uh, where you can hear it and all sorts of cool stuff about that. We're going to start things off with a request from John. This is the Creeping Cruds Stomp Tokyo.
And for those of you wondering what we just heard, we started that out with Stomp Tokyo by The Creeping Cruds. That was a request for John. Then after that, we played Hats Off to You, Godzilla. That was by the Groovy Ghoulies for Ryan. After that, we played the main title from Godzilla, and that was uh, from The Monster Project. The Monster Project is a CD I received from Adam, who's sitting across from me right now. And uh, he brought this to me at Wonder Northwest. And I would be remiss in my duties as a uh, podcast host if I didn't mention that uh, listener Bill Bossert told me about this many moons ago. And I'm very, very happy to have you in here in the studio, Adam. Uh, thank you for joining the KaijuCast tonight. Thank you for inviting me. I'm uh, glad you enjoyed the CD. I'm also glad you're in Portland, man. This is... Uh, it's always good to know somebody else likes Godzilla here. That was a happy coincidence, yes. <laughs> so do me a favor, give us a little background about you. Like, how did you get involved in in music? Oh, uh, geez. Um, I've been playing music since I was uh, 16, mostly in that kind of I want to be a rock star vein. Um, started with guitar learned keyboard simultaneously at some point decided I could sing at some point decided that Black Sabbath and Mr. Bungle and Faith No More were about the best bands I'd ever heard and I wanted to make music like that they are pretty awesome they are they are and um, eventually I moved to New York and decided to start my own bands started off with a uh, band called Brompton's Cocktail that was very Mr. Bungle-esque Moved on to, uh, with a friend who eventually would join me on the Monster Project by the name of Chris Carroll. He uh, formed a band called The Invincible Dr. Cyclops Invasion. And this was, uh, I mention it especially because the focus of The Invincible Dr. Cyclops Invasion was cinematic spy rock soundtrack kind of music. Okay. Go back and forth between um, a 70s uh, disco getaway song uh, to some kind of uh, James Bond-esque uh, mood music. From there uh, is where I, moving on from there, I wanted to continue in that somewhat instrumental vein, but also my love for Black Sabbath and slower, more grave music started to uh, re-emerge. And I started thinking of what could I do that was a combination of that classic heavy sound and... Uh, and something more instrumental and dramatic, theatrical, if you will. And uh, about that time, actually, I want to say that it was immediately, my thoughts immediately left to, to uh, Godzilla. But it was actually a bit more roundabout. Of course, I was a Godzilla fan as a kid. Loved Godzilla. Absolutely loved Godzilla. I woke up every weekend to check the TV guide, if you remember those things, and uh, to see what Godzilla movies were playing that weekend and planned my weekend around it. For the youngsters out there, TV Guide is a tiny <laughs> magazine that tells you what's on TV. And you didn't know until that weekend came. Um, and you couldn't record your shows. No. The only way to watch a Godzilla movie was to actually make the time to be there when it was on a UHF channel. So, um, so I had fond memories of that. And uh, I remain fans, a fan of Godzilla and especially the classic Showa era movies through that time but it was when actually when freddy versus jason hit theaters okay and i realized that um godzilla had nurtured in me this soft spot for any time the word versus is in a movie title something about two giant evil things clashing 
something about that simple versus in there. Like the premise here is pretty simple. We're going to take King Kong. We're going to take Godzilla. We're going to put them in a movie together and they're going to fight. And I'm like, well, I, that's all I need to hear. I'm, I'm down for that. Um, so Freddy versus Jason kind of galvanized me into saying, hmm, what could I do with that musically? And I ended up throwing in the theme from Halloween along with the uh, themes from Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th and started working on a, uh, a rock, I don't know, prog rock medley. And I said, well, where else am I going to go from here? And that's when the music of uh, Akira Ifukubei occurred to me. And I said, well, this is perfectly suited for, for a rock arrangement. This is, this is classic Black Sabbath before there was Black Sabbath. <laughs> and uh, that's where the, the project took hold. Cool. So, uh, if, so uh, obviously, this is, um, this is a, a, C, a CD you've produced called The Monster Project. And uh, just for the listeners out there. Uh, this has a total of 26 tracks on it. Out of those 26, I believe 24 or 23 of them are actually Godzilla Godzilla uh, tracks. You have you also have Swan Lake, yes. and the Slasher Suite, and uh, two tracks from Land of the Lost as well. Uh, but everything else in between is all uh, made of awesome, in my opinion. And uh, <laughs> so, tell me a little bit about the people involved in, in creating this monster project and, and, uh, I, your, your website says it was a septet. Is that right? It, it grew to a septet from a sextet. Originally the project started off with the, um, Akira Ifukube suite, which yes. I called a uh, Kaju Daisenso, uh, which pretty much ep- epitomizes that, that, uh, monster versus monster theme since it translates to a giant monster battle. Um, I transcribed a ton of Akira Ufukube music from all of his scores and uh, put together what I thought would be the, uh, I suppose, a greatest hits set, um, as well as Swan Lake, which uh, that particular piece from Swan Lake was used in the intro to uh, the original Mummy and Dracula and the slasher suite that I mentioned, which is that 10-minute long medley of all those slasher themes. Um, and I was fortunate in that between the two bands that I had played with already, with some just fabulous musicians, and uh, another band that I was close friends with that went by the name of the Benzene Ring, also a prog band, if you will, I was able to pretty much hand choose uh, which musicians I wanted to play with in the band. I transcribed all of this music, I wrote it all out, even did guitar tablature, even transposed the horn parts down to B-flat like they require, and I handed all this music off along with some MIDI files and the original soundtracks, and I told these guys, all right, you're all very accomplished musicians. In a couple months, we're going to get together and just start doing this. And, you know, them being prog rock musicians, they were particularly well-suited for this. It was They were accomplished to the point where we were rehearsing maybe once a month, maybe once every two or three months, but we would come in, read the music, and uh, they mastered the material in pretty short order, and we got to start playing out and doing shows with that. It grew to a septet when I decided, oh, we need some more stuff, and I want to explore some more Godzilla music, and that's when the Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, a very distinctive soundtrack in all of the, the entire repertoire of Godzilla music, just kind of screamed at me. It's like, this, this needs a, a modern interpretation. So uh, added that and needed the clarinet for that. Yeah. 
Uh, oh yeah, previously we had, let's see, it's, uh, I was playing bass, um, which I hadn't done before, but it's the only instrument that plays the entire time, and it kind of grounds and conducts the music since there's a lot of freeform stuff, especially in the Ifuku bass stuff. Um, I got a drummer, I got a, another percussionist slash sound effect person who played everything from tinfoil to bells to samplers and theremin. Um, got a guitarist, a keyboardist who would eventually play banjo as well, and trumpet and the clarinet was added to do the small monster pieces. Wait, there's a there's a banjo on this CD? Uh, the Land of the Lost music. Oh, okay. Has okay. banjo in it. I, and I have difficulty imagining that, it's not, that there aren't isn't a great overlap between Godzilla fans and Land of the Lost fans. I mean, Slee Stacks. Slee Stacks, Dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, banjo was kind of essential. Let me talk about that. the last guy you were talking about that played like the, the theremin and the... Mm-hmm. Uh, isn't there even a slide whistle at one point in the... Yeah, we had to go percussion shopping and sound effect shopping a few times. Nice. Uh, we had an electronic theremin, slide... Most of the really weird... Uh, the very unusual percussion was needed for the smog monster. Things that actually, honestly, to this day, I can't name. Um, they make like weird wobbly sounds and boingy sounds, um, bells, and uh, he would. All, I had him crunching up tin foil. Um, he did a lot of the more. Oh, the um, the Jew's harp, the thing that does that wow yeah, yeah. wow wow. That's in smog monster there. Uh, at the same time, though, when doing the Ifuku bass stuff especially, he also had a half kit on stage and would supplement with additional uh, low tom or uh, crashes. His crashes and rides are essential throughout that main title, the whole second half. And for the very tribal element of King Kong versus Godzilla, he just played by hand and we were between the drummer and him able to get this great full tribal sound on stage. Nice. So you said you transcribed the music um yeah. someone else just recently asked me if i knew where to get sheet music of uh ifukube scores and i i can't find any so you no. must have done this all by ear and yes. written it all out yes so how long would it take you to do one song of mm. uh, uh, uh just pick one track is it like is that like a take like several for someone like me who has never done that does that take several hours or several days I would say weeks. I would say for something simple like um, geez, uh, horror in the water tank, or, or that's actually just mostly sound effects. But Godzilla to Tokyo Bay from the very first thing—that's mm-hmm. that's two pieces, and that would take me maybe a half an hour to transcribe. Then you get into Battle on Mount Fuji, mm-hmm. uh, which is the the climax battle from um, Destroy All Monsters. And that's one of the longer pieces from the Ifuku Bay Suite, and it has a lot of things going on in it, including at one point uh, a bass solo, um, all transcribed from the music. And that one took me days. Nice. Um, but yeah, I had to listen to it and pick out all of the individual pieces, all the individual instruments, transcribe it all, and then when I was done, figure out who was going to play what. And I'm, I'm happy to say that 99% of everything played, uh, especially all the Godzilla music, is note for note reproducing what was there in the Ifukube stuff, which is, is uh, maybe difficult to believe, but he actually used quite a lot of unisons and everybody playing the same thing um, or very simple lines, which is why I thought it lent itself so well to that Black Sabbath metal kind of right, yeah. deep thing. The band ensemble. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So, did uh, let's talk about 
you guys did some shows, mm-hmm. some live shows. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't even know about this at the time. I would <laughs> love to have seen that. And uh, if I could go back in time with my TARDIS later on and uh, check it out. How did those go? Like, was this something that people were exposed to and you, you went to the... I, I saw that some of the shows you were playing with the other bands that you mentioned that you were in or friends of yours were in, like it was like the one. benzene ring. Yes, yeah. yes. We would. Um, I would try when, when, whenever possible. Actually, in New York, I tried to play with friends or similar bands. Truth is, is that uh, I moved to New York thinking there was a, going to be this great experimental, unusual, broad, and and ravenous music scene, and it wasn't as much the case. So the previous acts that I'd played with went from some attention. The Invincible Doctor Cyclops Invasion actually got a, a, a bit of attention. But the the Monster Project, with its tie to Godzilla, had, which didn't occur to me at first, but eventually was revealed to me, uh, a built-in audience. Uh, people were uh, grafting onto it uh, surprisingly well. We did we played very sporadically and not often, but we I would say that we typically had a, a, an enthusiastic response. We had some people like come up from Philadelphia one time. We um, uh, generally got some you know, snippets of good press, which are on the site, which I didn't solicit. Uh, we played some art, art venues, I would say, uh, music art venues. And occasionally it would be pointed out to me like, oh, you got a write up here. And invariably it was somebody who said what, uh, uh, some, a sentiment similar to why I started it, which was, wow, Godzilla music. Totally. I always love that stuff. And nice. to hear it like live and with like a full band, you know, especially kind of with some distorted distortion on the guitar. I, I'd love to hear that. I think that's what grabbed me first, actually. That first track, you just have that, like, really low-tuned guitar. (laughs) Or is that, like... Actually, that's... um, For the footsteps, right? With, uh... Well, it it opens with uh, Godzilla Comes Ashore, which, again, emulates the Ifuku Bay. It's got that low um, bass drum that's being hit. Timpani, actually. Uh, and then the Godzilla roar was done by me on the bass, the same way that the original roar was done by Ifuku Bay. He took a, um, a resin leather glove and rubbed it over the bass strings of the upright bass to get that roar. I, for the project, had a five-string bass uh, with a low B okay. that I then got a violin bow. So to pull off some, you know, if you hear anything, like when Godzilla comes ashore... Um, there's a I'm bowing the opening line and with those roars that's all me with a bass on distortion pulling off oh. as best as possible the roar all right well that is uh that is awesome <laughs> it was fun to play with a bow on a win on bass that's on cool stage. I don't think so like a regular electric style bass obviously electric style fit, bass fit string, with distortion fire a low ba- a low b string gotcha and a bow that would that's why I went on some of that stuff. Just there's no way to get any lower, right? <laughs> and and especially with the distortion, it just seems sinister. In general, we got a lot of people who would come up to us and say, "Why aren't you playing the movies behind you when you're playing live?" I, that's probably the number one question I got from you know the audience whenever I would uh, leave. They said, "Oh, you should totally do that." And for me, the Watching the movies is awesome. I mean, that's that's nostalgia candy right there, and I, I love popping in classic Godzilla movies. But ultimately, you're looking at a, a, um, an era that ranged from you know the early forays into suitmation to the Cookie Monster Godzilla look. All of these things to our adult eyes aren't necessarily as impressive, and 
putting them up on stage on a screen behind us, I thought would detract and distract from what we were doing. Mm -hmm. Instead, what I wanted to do was musically conjure up the notion of the giant monster coming. I wanted you to not like think to yourself, see a guy in a suit. I wanted you to hear the, the depth and the violence of the music and the crashing sounds and the gravity of it and think to yourself, you know, oh no, that's, that's a funny looking movie. I, instead, I wanted you to think like, that's terrifying. Something hideous and awful and monstrous is coming and there's nothing I can do about it except gawk and horror. That's an excellent summary, sir. Thank you. Um, so is there anything, I, you, these guys uh, who you played with, are they all back in New York? Actually, yes. I, uh, well, um, for the most part, no, uh, a couple of them have left the city, but the majority of them are still back in New York. Um, I, would, I would mention my friend uh, Christopher Carroll, who uh, was uh, a spiritual brother to me in, throughout the Monster Project, as well as the Invincible Dr. Cyclops Invasion, continues to do rather unusual music under the uh, name of Id Pie Productions. And uh, you can still go out and pick up, actually from themonsterproject.com, I point to a few of the CDs, which I would hope that anyone who's uh, really interested in the music, um, apart from even the, the Godzilla aspect, uh, might be interested in checking some of that stuff out. But uh, they're all moving on and doing their own projects. All right. But so there's no, no chance of a future gathering of, uh, and for another album, right? I, I don't think so. Um, I had considered when moving out to Portland, I had considered briefly putting a new version of the Monster Project together back out here, but I think it was more a product of that period in my life, mm -hmm. um, and that sounds, I don't know, kind of silly to say, I'm, I'm not that old, but uh, more it was just appropriate where I was going in terms of branching, do, combining instrumental music with something that was heavier and grave and back to those original roots. And also, the project was kind of devised to have a beginning, middle, and end. Mm -hmm. The uh, the Ifuku Bay music isn't just randomly selected. It goes chronologically throughout his career and presents what I like to think is a... Uh, a nice summary as well as tell a story. In fact, the last uh, piece in Ifuku Bay, the, the, the Kaiju Daisenso Suite, is the ending from Terror of Mechagodzilla, which is this quiet, um, kind of understated and emotional thing. That's when Godzilla, having just defeated Mechagodzilla, is in the ocean and we're seeing essentially him for the last time in the Showa era. Um, I thought that, like, what a poignant way to end this era as well as this piece of music. Adding on the monster, um, the Godzilla versus the Smog Monster stuff afterwards was uh, a continuation as well as the Land of the Lost stuff. But even then, I knew this is this is the full body statement of like this piece, this group, this this whole idea. And I'm pretty content with where it is. And it's a finite piece of work. It's a finite piece of work. Well, it's a very well done piece of work. Right. And uh, I would like to say, especially that very first. Uh, grouping of uh, 15 tracks or so mm. uh, it's it's you can pop that into your cd player or your your ipod and basically just listen to it from start to finish it all flows together very well and uh, i think kind of some of the best like arrangements i've heard as far as other people doing godzilla music not symphonic stuff more uh you know, like you have electric guitars in there mm. instead of uh and you do have trumpets, actually. You do have... Or, oh, yeah. Trumpet and flugelhorn was yeah. in there. Um, 
Yeah, I have to actually the majority of modern bands that I hear doing Godzilla music are doing very interpretive things. And to say they're even covering Godzilla music is somewhat liberal. It's more right. like they'll lift the most famous themes. They'll use it as a sample. They'll maybe do an intro. Um, but no, my emphasis was to far more faithfully reproduce this stuff. Well, it's a very cool CD. Uh, I'll have a link in the show notes so that people can go check out your website. If you go to themonsterproject.com, you can listen to it in its full, and there's also a link to a bandcamp.com, themonsterproject.bandcamp.com, wherein you can also listen to it in its entirety and buy the album or download and or download all of the MP3s. Okay. And it's name your own price, by the way. I saw that. Yes. Like as low as five bucks, right? Which is uh, as low as five bucks for the CD for the MP3s. It's name your own price, even if you just want to download them for free. Well, you should definitely pay for them because, <laughs> uh, well, even though I got mine for free from Adam, uh, <laughs> well, you know, you're doing this great service here. I hope so. I mean, I really would like people to listen to the CD. And um, I would I would love for people to hear more of what you do. Uh, I'm, I'll have a link in the show notes to not just the Monster Project website, but if you want, I'll, I'll pop in the your Bosch the Crab. BotchTheCrab.com. Ah, I said Bosch. That's wrong. It's Bosch the Crab. The Transformer, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can see what toys I bought in Tokyo. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we have, uh, like I said, uh, Bill Bossert is, is one of the people that uh, he's a he's a listener and a, a frequent contributor when it comes to our Daikaiju discussions here. And uh, Bill recently uh, emailed me and uh, kind of gave me the the what for because I forgot that he had introduced me to you. Uh, Hi, Bill. At least Thanks. to your to your music. And so uh, what I said is if he if he had any questions. Uh, feel free to submit them. And so he did have some questions for you. The first one was, are there any particular Ifukube scores that might be your favorites above all others? Yeah, that's easy. That's the first movie. Um, It's so iconic. And I think in the same way that I was talking about wanting to emphasize the music and have that conjure up the imagery of Godzilla and the other giant monsters... Uh, Ifuku Bay was somewhat hampered by the fact that he had not seen the movie when he composed and recorded this score. In fact, I believe he was given only a week um, to hmm. do this. Uh, in that time period, especially, music, oh, well, I suppose uh, people who wrote scores and recorded scores for movies in Japan were not terribly well regarded. And uh, so they were given limited time and with high expectations. And in this instance, he was basically given, I believe, the script or an outline and said, you know, there's a, this is Gojira. He's coming to destroy Tokyo. Give us a soundtrack. And he composed all of this from the concept of everything that was happening or the, 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 it on paper rather than or in his imagination rather than even seeing the movie. And the themes that he brought in there are just so iconic, so monstrous and so grave there. Definitely one of the reasons that uh, that Gojira remains not just uh, a great Godzilla movie, but one of Japan's greatest movies. Well said. Uh, and speaking of your favorite movies, it seems that speaking of Godzilla movies that might be your favorites, uh, it seems that the Showa era was something you focused on here. Is there a reason for that? For the same reason, I suppose I collect vintage Transformers uh, that... 
and do collect a lot of other stuff that's an attempt to recapture everything from my childhood and put it in my room and box it up. Um, it's uh, it's the stuff that I was familiar with as a kid. There's I enjoy watching the uh, all of subsequent Godzilla movies. Uh, in, if I had to pick like a, a Godzilla movie that was awesome, just that I could watch it almost any time. Uh, that's of the more recent era. It would be I think the Godzilla. Uh, Mothra King Ghidorah one. You're a good man. Godzilla You're comes back an all excellent evil. guest. An excellent guest. Godzilla comes back all evil and is, is trashing stuff again, <laughs> and it's a giant monster brawl. It's just awesome. But um, but you know that's a, that's a recent movie. All of the original ones, those ones that, like I said, I scrambled uh, on the weekends to watch as many as possible, and would do drawings of, and would make up my own monsters that Godzilla would fight. They're all informed by that era and and whereas the music the music of the more recent eras is is good it still borrows heavily on the classic themes i don't know of any like oh no of course i mean you have to have a godzilla movie a godzilla movie kind of has to have godzilla's theme at Mm -hmm. some point even even if it's just tacked on to the ending, which I guess uh, I've, I've, heard, once I've or read twice. it. Yeah, there's been a couple of movies that they're just basically, like, oh yeah, and the Godzilla theme. We'll throw that in. Um, the very the, the earliest movies had uh, th- th- there where everything started. It's where all the originality is, and but but more importantly, it's where my nostalgia lies, and it's where those memories that even if I watch King Kong versus Godzilla today and say to myself, hmm, that, uh, there's some, there's some holes in that plot or that, you know, uh, <laughs> the special effects aren't as great as I remember. Nonetheless, I'm still viewing it through the eyes of my younger self oh, and, yeah. and to, to that kid, they're, they're all spectacular. I would, uh, I would echo that statement by, uh, how many times I've watched King Kong versus Godzilla just <laughs> in the past five years alone. <laughs> so, uh, what were some of your musical influences growing up? Definitely Black Sabbath. I would say that, like all kids, I was listening to whatever was popular and all my friends liked up to a certain age. And then at some point, I uh, happened upon Black Sabbath, and it was the first time no one I knew had heard of them, no one said anything about them. I kind of found them on my own. And when I did put uh, listen to them, I think the very first album I listened to was Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. And I thought, where have you been all my life? This is this is awesome. This is the best music ever. And bought up all their albums, and I've got them pretty much memorized. From there, though, I suppose like the next most influential album would be um, Mr. Bungle's first album, which is the album that taught me. And if you don't know Mr. Bungle, it's the other band by uh, the lead Mike singer Patton, by Mike right, Patton, yeah. lead singer Faith No More, and a bunch of other projects, including Phantomas, which very much influences the Monster Project. And the first Mr. Bungle album taught me, boy, you can do anything. You can do anything you want musically. Uh, there's, there's no rules, no matter what anybody else says. And I would say, you know, b- b- um, apart from that, there's definitely a wide array of music that I listen to. I've seen George Michael and Neil Diamond in concert. I, uh, I listen to electronica. I listen to everything from, from death metal to stoner metal. Uh, so, but... The core of it is always going to come back to that uh, to that Sabbath kind of plodding, low, uh, distorted guitar nature. Excellent. So, uh, Bill's last question for you is: If you were stranded on Monster Island, what album would you want with you? <laughs> it is a tough question. I get the the what album would you want with you question quite a lot. Um, I'm going to pick two. Okay, I'm going to pick two. I'll allow it. 
I'm going to pick two. One would be um, Black Sabbath Sabotage. Okay. That's their fifth album, I believe, and ironic, maybe their sixth. And ironically, it's the one that the original band dislikes the most. Really? Yeah. All right. But, but it's definitely Black Sabbath at its most prog, and I really enjoy that album tremendously. And the other one would be Mr. Bungle's Disco Volante, which is when Mr. Bungle went from their more well-known carnival rock phase into this more New York avant-garde jazz phase combining everything from techno to uh, to noise. And uh, I think between the two of them, that idea of this almost theatrical, plotting metal, energized but plotting metal, combined with the freedom to have any sort of sound and do absolutely anything, is uh, what I keep bouncing back and forth between. So I'd, I'd really like to have both albums if possible. <laughs> Well, I think as long as you hide them from the monsters that are on the island, you'll be okay. Yeah. So uh, I just had a quick follow-up thing for what we discussed uh, a few weeks ago when I was trying to get you on last month. You just went to Japan. I did. So did you tell me a little bit about that? Did you just stay in Tokyo or did you branch out and go some other places? How long were you there? I was there about 10 days. And I, aside from a one-day trip down to Kamakura to see the... The Daibutsu, the giant Buddha, which oh right, yes, which I just had to see because, and this is going to come as a big surprise. I really love giant things, um, and uh, and it was impressive as well as a lot of other things in Kamakura. But I spent the majority of my time in Tokyo because, as a former New Yorker, I just love big cities. And additionally, as a Transformers fan, I spent a lot of time going to virtually every vintage toy store in tokyo and oh. there are a few um checking out what transformers to buy and also since i'm there uh trying to find something appropriate that was godzilla related to bring back nice and you did i did it was a tough call because the majority of the godzilla things there are um, a depiction from one movie or another mm -hmm. there are a lot of the statues and vinyls and stuff and they're all surprisingly expensive they're 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 not cheap but uh rather than going for any kind of either individual iconic image i ended up getting some like super deformed battery powered walkers of godzilla and mecha godzilla it's just kitschy enough to to play to that sweet spot and also i got to set them up on my living room floor turn them on and have them fight excellent excellent so did you um did you see anything while you were there did you like like awe at the at the tokyo tower and the tokyo tower was awesome um and that was pretty cool i was actually staying rather near it in uh in uh, monato but um i tried to get down to a display that you mentioned on facebook mm -hmm. um of that uh, that ship the uh that was from oh, right the museum right the museum the lucky dragon yes uh i got all the way down there and then could not find it Oh, no. Which is a real shame because it was that weekend, and I happened to be in Tokyo that weekend. Well. Um, but it was raining, and it, I had no umbrella, and the directions that they gave were rather off, so I wasn't able to make it. As far as seeing Godzilla things in general, whereas I wanted to visit the museum that commemorated all his victims from the 1954 attack, uh, that was closed. And I actually... I saw Wait, there really is a no, museum? There's no, no, there's no. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm gullible. <laughs> Um, I saw, 
let's just say I saw Godzilla everywhere in, in one fashion or another. There wasn't a toy store or a, uh, a kid's store, any kind of kitsch place that didn't have something Godzilla related. But I didn't see much in the way of, I guess I would say, totemic Godzilla things. I didn't see any, any statues right. or... Um, Did you see the diet building? Just that, that, that stepped sort of almost pyramid looking thing that Godzilla crushes in the first movie. Uh, I'm just curious. I, I, I am looking so. forward. I I have not really talked about this on the podcast, but I'm actually going to be in Tokyo really? mid-October. Nice. Yeah, my work is sending me to Asia, and um, I was extremely surprised slash uh, exuberant to learn that our first stop was going to be Tokyo. I'm actually going to go a day early so I can try and pack like 24 hours worth of just freaking out and uh, running around the streets of Tokyo and hopefully some interviews as well um, into that time interviews yeah if I can uh, if I can swing it I'm gonna try and interview um, a few people who I uh, who have worked on the Godzilla films mm-hmm. and uh, I'm, I'm not gonna say who they are right now just because I don't want to jinx it uh, but if it all works out, it should be some good stuff that comes back with me. And I'm definitely going to talk to a guy named Matt Alt, who uh, wrote a book about yokai, uh, ghosts and goblins. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that will be an interview that will get played in October. But I digress. Uh, that pretty much wraps up our interview. Adam, thank you so much for coming. And uh, let's tell people again where they can go find your stuff. Um, they can go to themonsterproject.com or themonsterproject.bandcamp.com and they'll be able to listen to the album in its entirety. They can buy the CD for as little as $5 and they can name their own price for downloading the entire thing as well. Um, and uh, uh, thanks for very much for having me on here, and I hope, uh, I'm hope i glad you enjoy it, and I hope other people do too. Yeah, and if you want, uh, you can come watch uh, the movies with us every month too. I would like to at some something, point. Some, especially since you're local. That's true. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's a bonus for living in the Portland area. Uh, we're going to go ahead and actually take a break here. I'm going to let Adam go, but we're going to play Godzilla vs. Mothra off the Monster Project.
So big thanks to Adam from The Monster Project for coming and hanging out with me tonight. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking to him. I really hope some of you guys pick up the CD or at least check him it out. Check it out online. Uh, basically, he as he was leaving, he handed me a whole bunch of these CDs to give away. And so what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to hold on to them. And uh, when I do my live broadcast show later this year, uh, that will be another one of the things we can give away. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. I'm pretty sure it's going to be in December, but please don't hold me to that. That's all dependent on technology and uh, me having the time to figure stuff out. Good news, everyone. Justin came over a while ago, and I actually meant to put this in my last episode, but I kind of spaced it at the end. We talked about a, uh, a game called Giant Monster Rampage, and uh, basically we gave it a little review. We played it here, and uh, instead of me continuing to talk about this, I think what I'm going to do is just play the review. I am joined right now by Justin of the Going Last podcast. How's it going, man? Oh, I, I didn't think we were really starting now. No, we really are starting now. Right this now? Right now. Right now? Right this second. That's poop. Ah, uh, <laughs> Justin brought his poop into my podcast. Uh, we just, actually, we played two rounds, very simple rounds of Giant, giant Monster Rampage. And uh, I just wanted to spend a couple of minutes talking about the game and how we liked it. And uh, basically give a tiny little review because I promised it for August, and it's still August, so it, it counts. Oh, oh, August the month, not August the person. Exactly, August Excellent. the month, not August Rigoni. Uh, Giant Monster Rampage, it was developed by Radioactive Press, and it was written by Ken Lewis, who was kind enough to send me a review copy. Uh, Justin and I, and Tiger, actually sat down and played two rounds of a simplified version of the game. Justin, what were your initial thoughts as a, as a, I guess I would say kind of like a hardcore gamer, that sounds a little extreme, but as a, as a tabletop and gaming enthusiast, how, what was your, what were your initial thoughts on the game? Well, first I just wanted to let everyone know that we did play a very simplified version of the game. I took out a lot of the complicated rules because, you know, as a gamer, I know how complicated it is to sit down and play a a new game, a new style of game for people who have never played anything beyond like a board game before. Um, as far as the game goes, it took me about a half an hour to go through the rules. I had a fairly good understanding of how they worked. Um, I imagine someone who's new to a game, it might take them a little bit longer, but you know, I have a stack of books that I've reviewed for gaming purposes at this point. So um, it's a really simple system. Uh, there's a lot of customization, so if you want to play a very specific type of monster, you definitely can. Uh, the rules, really simple. The uh, materials, they have some great suggestions for people who are on a budget. Like uh, when we played, we used a bunch of plastic cups to represent buildings, and you know, Kyle just happened to have a few toys laying around that we could we could use to uh, represent our monsters. Just a few, just a couple. Um, yeah, so. Uh, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was a, I thought they did a really good job of making a simple, customizable skirmish style game. Cool. As I said, Justin is a gaming enthusiast. He plays, you play games almost every day of the week, right? Yes. Okay. So, uh, on the flip side of that, I never play tabletop games. I think I've played maybe three tabletop games in the past 10 years, uh, which doesn't include a regular board game like Scrabble, but, uh, something last i think the last game i played was that zombie game uh the last night on earth 
right? It's something beyond your your normal Hasbro style board game. Exactly, exactly. So this is this was something very new to me, and it was a little complicated. We were using ten sided die, uh, which was new to me. Although I knew what they were from from knowing Justin, uh, and and so forth. But uh, it, we, I thought what we came up with was pretty cool. And Justin did a great job of creating character sheets for us. We had three monsters. Uh, they just happened to be very Godzilla, Gamera, and Ghidra-like. <laughs> yeah. So so much so that they were named them. Yeah, so in, in the playtest, I decided to make three characters, one for each of us to play, using different mechanics. That way we could get a good variety of mechanics at the table. And I think it was pretty balanced because uh, Godzilla proved king of the monsters only once. And then uh, Gamera decided that uh, he had enough and became the king of the monsters in the second round. Only because Ghidra, my character, beat Godzilla in the you know second round. Yeah, well, you know. But I got pretty trounced in the first round by you guys. So yeah, you did. Um, anyway, it was a lot of fun. I I would definitely play this game again. Um, as I was saying downstairs, this is a uh, and for the the listeners, this is a very simple game. It doesn't come with pieces. It's just basically a PDF. Yeah, yeah. You need the PDF of the book to play. You need. A D, 10-sided dice, or D10s, as us nerds call them, uh, and a tape measure. Uh, because it's not on a board. You just play it on a kitchen table or a predetermined board that you can make really fancy. If you go to boardgamegeeks.com, you can definitely find some there. Um, but yeah, that's that's all you need to play the game. You can use scraps of paper for everything else, or like we did, we use cups and action figures. Yeah, so what we ended up doing, like I kind of looked over at the table and I said, you know, this could be really cool if I created my own uh, my own version of the, of the board and figured out a cool way to do buildings. And I think that's sort of like my failing in, in uh, the gaming that I've done in the past is like when I was a kid and I tried... Uh, the Marvel and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles role-playing games. All I wanted to do was draw my characters, and I didn't really care about the game. This one, at least, I was uh, interested in the gameplay. I would just very much like to create a cool-looking board and uh, buildings and so forth. Well, yeah, that's that's definitely half the fun of tabletop games in in uh, the wargaming skirmish game uh, style of play because, you know, if you come over to where Ian and I live, our dining room table is always covered with craft materials and paint and, you know, 28 millimeter miniatures and then the buildings for them to fight around. So it's, it's, and it definitely has that feel. If you like crafting and construction, it's great for you. If you just want a very simple game, it's great for you. So I think, cool. I think they did a very good job with this. Tiger also played the game with us, and uh, he is sitting or standing right here with us. What were your initial thoughts? What did you think of the game? The game was very creative, uh, although it didn't come with giant props or giant boards. It was very creative how you had to use stuff from your own house. That's cool. So, did uh, if we played again, would you want to have somebody else write your character? Or do you think you'd actually like to choose the different kinds of characters there are, like? Like I uh, showed you, there was a mechanical monster and an alien, and you know you can choose that and then then build your character off those. Would you want to do that, or would you just want to pick somebody that already exists? I'd, I'd rather have someone that already exists. But, but you would play again. Yeah. Well, I hope we can play again sometime. So, Justin, how do you guys normally rank games when you review them on on the Going Last podcast? Well, we thought long and hard about how we were going to do a ranking system, and then we decided whether we we were just going to go with if it was worth the cost of the game or if we didn't think it was worth the cost of the game. And uh, 
seeing as this game's relatively cheap, you can get it on RPG now, or you can get it on their website. Uh, I would definitely say this is a game that is worth purchasing. It is a fun and enjoyable game worth the money you would have spent to get it. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's cool. I get, again, I would like to play this again. I'd love to sit down and maybe do the same thing. Uh, we were talking about with tiger, like building a new character and building the character sheets and, it just maybe taking it to the next step. Uh, there were some elements of the game we didn't get into, like building destruction. And mm-hmm. you said there was another element of the game that we didn't touch on, which is like a destruction mode where the goal is to knock down the buildings or do the most damage to buildings. Yeah, there was uh, two different modes. One was where you, instead of going up against each other, monster versus monster, you'd go and you would just rampage across the the uh, the cityscape and. Uh, however much destruction you caused, you'd gain more points. And whoever had the most points at a determined amount of rounds or when there was no buildings left or whatever would win. Uh, the other mode is a rampage mode where you're both destroying the buildings and fighting each other. And so based on how much damage you caused, uh, you would garner a certain amount of points and whoever had the most points at the end would win. I had a really good time playing the game tonight and I definitely want to uh, to revisit this at some point. Cool. So thanks again to Ken from Radioactive Press. Uh, for sending us the review copy of the game. If you are interested, you can check them out at their website, which, of course, I will have as a link in the show notes. Doobly-doo. Doobly-doo. In the sh- a link in the doobly-doo, as Justin and Ian would say. Uh, Justin and Tiger, thanks again for playing tonight. And uh, there's our review. This is United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. So crazy thing uh, this month is that there's no real Godzilla news as far as um, stuff I grab from other websites. So what I will talk about is the Godzilla comics that are out right now. Uh, Since our last episode, we had both... Uh, the last issue of Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters and Godzilla Gangsters and Goliaths come out. Um, I don't really want to talk about Kingdom of Monsters too much. The story is going somewhere. It's uh, you know, it's it's starting to really delve into the main characters, and that's great, and that's fine. However, I think it's pretty clear that I uh, I am very 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 much enjoying Gangsters and Goliaths. It's sort of, as I've said before, it's like a Showa-era style story, and it's just really, really appealing to me. Um, I don't want to give a lot of, of a lot of what happens away, but uh, whereas the last three issues have focused uh, only on the main characters and the villain uh, and only showing really Mothra and a little bit of Godzilla, uh, let me just say this one thing. There are lots of monsters in this brand new issue. Not a lot happens, but lots of monsters. Totally worth checking out. And again, I really like Alberto Ponticelli's work, and I hope you do too. Another piece of news I wanted to share with you is that uh, I'm currently kind of waiting on an official statement from IDW Publishing about this, but apparently Eric Powell and Tracy Marsh are off of Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters after issue 8. Issue 9, apparently has Jason Sharamella, which I hope I'm saying that right. Um, I've never heard of him before, but he he helped adapt The Cape for IDW, something I have not read. But if you want to check out his work, 
you can check out the cape. Issue 9 is going to be in November. Also in November is the very first issue of Godzilla Legends. And this one is written by Matt Frank and Jeff Prezanowski. And again, hope I'm saying that right. Uh, You should also know that the trade paperback from Kingdom of Monsters comes out next week, September 14th. Uh, You should pick that up. That is all I'm going to say. If you're a fan of the Kaiju cast, you should definitely pick that up. Without having any other news to talk about, we're just going to go ahead and talk about local events. On September 14th, we have not one, but two comic book signings here in town. The first is at 6 p.m. There's going to be a signing by Matt Fraction, who did Casanova, and uh, that's going to be downtown at Floating World Comics. The same night at the Hollywood Things for Another World, Georges Janti. This evening is full of uh, names that I'm having trouble pronouncing, and I apologize. They're starting Buffy Season 9, the comics, and he's going to be signing at the Hollywood Things for Another World. That's up on uh, Sandy Boulevard. That is the same night, September 14th. That weekend, September 17th, the Geek in the City Listener Party, a.k.a. the Booyahs Strike Back, is going to be held at Guardian Games. I'm definitely checking that out. September 20th, we have Geek Trivia at the Kennedy School again. Last time, we did pretty well. We didn't win, but as always, we had a super great time. That weekend, September 24th and 25th, as we discussed in the last episode with uh, the Mad Marquis de Maltese, is the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. There's also a Geek Lesk at the end of Saturday night, I believe. That will do it for local events. I have something to announce here, folks, and I want you to really listen to this because it's a pretty exciting stuff, in my opinion. I have been talking with a company called Impact Merchandising. You have probably, slash hopefully, seen a bunch of their really cool Godzilla shirts that they have been doing. I have several of them myself, and I can attest to the fact that they are the best Godzilla shirt ever produced. Well, Impact Merchandising and the Kaiju Cast have teamed up to bring you, the listener, an exciting contest of monstrous proportions. It's called the Feel the Impact Contest, as you know. The Kaiju Cast is all about giant rubber monster goodness from the big screen, and Impact Merchandising has been screening that same kind of goodness on shirts. If you haven't seen their line of Godzilla stuff, make sure you check out their website. There's a link in the show notes. There's a link to their website on the uh, Kaiju Cast contest page here. And behold that exact glory. Now, do you want to win some of those shirts? Of course you do. Here's how to do it. We want to see your love of Godzilla. We want to make this open to all Godzilla fans. All you need to do is email a photo of yourself and Godzilla with your name, city, and state to contests at kaijucast.com between September 10th and October 10th to be entered into this contest We really don't care what kind of Godzilla appears in the photo. Hold your favorite Godzilla toy or DVD. Stand in front of a Godzilla poster. You could even Photoshop Godzilla into your photo or vice versa. Just get creative and have fun. After that date, selected judges from both Impact Merchandising and the Kaiju Cast will choose their favorite 10 photos. Those photos will then be placed on a web gallery on kaijucast.com and a poll will be open for a two-week voting period. During those two weeks, visitors can vote for the photo they choose via that poll and at the end of the voting period, the three photos with the most votes will determine the winners of the three prize packages. What are those packages, you say? Well, let me tell you. The grand prize package includes a $100 coupon code for Impact Merchandising's web store, a KaijuCast poster, and a sticker. First prize winner will receive 
a $60 coupon code for Impact Merchandising's web store, also a KaijuCast poster and sticker, and the second prize winner will receive a $40 coupon code for the Impact Merchandising store and the poster and the sticker. Those are pretty awesome. Even second prize there is an amazing deal. And I really hope you guys enter. I would really like to see some awesome people and some awesome photos and do whatever you want. Just get creative. I'm super excited to work with these guys and I really hope we get a lot of submissions. Having said that, we're going to go ahead and close out the show. Don't forget that the Daikaiju discussion film for this month is Yogg the Space Monster from 1970. Uh, If you want to get your homework in, turn it in by September 24th. To do that, just send an email to controller at kaijucast.com. Inside that email, have uh, the subject line say Daikaiju Discussion. And uh, inside the, the body of the email, just make sure you include your thoughts, questions, and reviews about that film. Speaking of Daikaiju, I went to see this band called Daikaiju last week, and it was so much fun. Thank you to listeners Ryan and James for suggesting them to me. I will have a link in the show notes to their website. You can check their uh, performances, and if they're playing in your town, you really should go check them out. They're a lot of, uh, they're kind of like a surf rock band. You know what? I'm not even going to go into it. You just need to go check them out. Their shows are cheap. Uh, we're going to go ahead and close things out here. If you found the Kaiju Cast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, and you want to experience the fullness that is kaijucast.com. Just point your web browsers right there. You can check out every single podcast we've done, not to mention all the supplemental material and the additional blog postings. There's a poll you can vote in. I should have a new one up fairly soon. And of course, uh, there are links to our Facebook and Twitter page. That's right. We're on Facebook and we're on Twitter. I tend to post to Facebook much more frequently than Twitter. I'm, I am working on that. But uh, a lot of discussion happens in between the episodes. A lot of discussion happens on that Facebook page. So make sure you check that out. Um, also, good news. Not not anything I can really announce just yet, but I am working on a Zazzle KaijuCast store. Stay tuned for a link for that. We're going to go ahead and finish this thing off. We're going to put a giant maser blast into this thing's head here by playing a song from that band, Daikaiju. This one is called Escape from Nebula M Space Hunter. See you next month. Jamata. Jamata.